welcome to I See Star Wars, a podcast about vintage Star Wars action figures. I am your host, Michael Havens, creator of The Imperial Commissary. Come with me, I will be your guide as we journey through the incredible universe of vintage Star Wars collectibles. Welcome to episode 13 of IC Star Wars, Clemso and Hammerhead. Today we are going to have a special guest movie star, Clemso. He has been in many of the Star Wars movies you know, along with Beauty and the Beast, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Ready Player One, uh, Fantastic Beasts, Doctor Who, Assassin's Creed, Doctor Strange, and many, many more. We will talk to Clem a little bit later, but right now I want to dive into Hammerhead, as he is going to be the focus of your Jedi training today. Hammerhead. Only a fully trained Jedi Knight, with the Force as his ally, will conquer Vader and his Emperor. If you end your training now, if you choose the quick and easy path, as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. Let's hop right into this Jedi training. Hammerhead was a common name used in reference to Ithorians, which referred to the shape of their head. Ithorians themselves find this term to be highly offensive. Um, so, don't call him Hammerhead. You What you do call him, um, we're going off of the information on Wikipedia, but what you do call him is Moma Nadan. Now, Moma Nadan, also known as Hammerhead, was a male Ithorian. He was exiled from his homeworld of Ethor, and, and as punishment for revealing the agricultural secrets of his species to the Galactic Empire in order to save the planet, he spent his exile on Tatooine and sympathized with the Alliance to restore the Republic during the Galactic War. He maintained a small secret garden in the mountains south of the planet's most icy spaceport. During the war, he sympathized with the Rebellion and anyone who opposed the Empire, and would hide rebel operatives in his garden. He was present at the Cantina when Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi and a local farm boy, Luke Skywalker, arrived in search of a pilot to take them to the planet Alderaan. He witnessed the pair enter into an altercation with the Doctor and Panda Baba, which ended up kill with Kenobi dismembering Baba and wounding Evazan with his lightsaber. Well, I wasn't expecting all those uh, difficult names, but we remember uh, we remember the Doctor and Baba, <laughs> not Boba, Baba. But uh, that is Moma Nadan's story. He does not prefer to be called Hammerhead, just in case you're checking. So now you know. Now let's find out all about the Kenner Star Wars action figure Hammerhead. Hammerhead was one of the first twenty-one figures released in the Kenner Star Wars line, so he is found. Um, his first rendition is on a Star Wars card. He can be found on the United States Star Wars card, um, the ESB card, and Return of the Jedi card. He never made it to the Power of the Force line, unfortunately for some. I have a friend, Joseph Chambers, he loves Hammerhead, and uh, he would have loved him to make it to the Power of the Force line. Um, also, he came in a Kenner baggie. Um, he was released in Canada as well, Kenner Canada. He came on a Canadian Kenner card. Uh, Meccano, Palatoy, he was made in England, Palatoy. Uh, he was even on a Star Wars Palatoy card, so he was released very early there as well. Um, Harbert, 
he came for Harbert. Uh, he was on the Italian card. He also came in a three-pack with uh, Walrus Man and Greedo, uh, the, the creature, creature set. Um, he also came in, I'm not sure if I said, a Kenner baggie. And uh, I think that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. He came with a blue or black Stormtrooper blaster. Um, the black was earlier on the Star Wars and ESP cards usually. Uh, the later blaster was a blue blaster. Usually it is a blue blaster from uh, Return of the Jedi cards. Uh, that's usually where you find the blue blaster. And uh, check out his eyeballs. The cool thing about Hammerhead is his eyes obviously were hand-painted on. But uh, usually they go... Where do they go? Usually they're looking right. But lots of times they're left, right, crisscrossed, up and down. It's very funny. I guess the people at the factory had a little bit of fun when making them. So there's lots of variations of Hammerhead. Uh, he's a tough one to collect, but he is very neat to collect. There is also something that people consider a variation, but it is not a true variant. You heard it here. Um, sometimes he goes green, kind of like uh, Chewbacca does. But that is not a variant. It's just a certain way the plastic fades. So... Now you know, and the more you know, the better Jedi you will be. Obi-Wan has taught you well. That was really nice. You know what? It's a lot of fun for me, because I may know a lot about Boba Fett or Jawas or some of the other things that I collect or my wife collects, um, but I don't know everything about everything, and I certainly don't know very much about Hammerhead or a lot of the other figures in the line because they've never really been on my radar. So it's neat to research them for that uh, Jedi training section of IC Star Wars. But on to the next section. Well, I want to tell you a little story. Uh, you may have noticed, or you may not have noticed, but I got a huge wild find recently. And uh, that is a big thank you to one man, Justin Tharp. Justin Tharp gave me a call. Uh, well, he sent me a, I believe it was a PM. He sent me a PM and he says, Hey, Mike, I listen to your podcast. I know that you buy lots of Star Wars figures and stuff like that. I found a collection near me that is way too much stuff for me. I was wondering if you'd be interested. So immediately, I said, of course. Um, that's what you always say if you're hunting for wild stuff. You always say, of course, when anybody ever says that. And uh, I said, sure. And he, he said, can I put you in touch with the guy? I got in touch with the guy. We talked for a little while, and then I set up to go down the next day. Um, I went down to the next day to talk to the guy and to make an offer on the collection. And the guy already had Star Wars Tracker that he downloaded, which was really cool. Uh, Jared Cope, one of the members of the Imperial Commissary, made that program a bunch of years ago. Uh, if you guys want to download it, it's www.starwarstracker.com. Um, we have an exclusive IC coupon code. It is IC-2016. Uh, it's an old code, but it checks out. Uh, we have that for a while. He uh, released Star Wars Tracker on our site. So anyway, I'm off in rural Alabama in the middle of nowhere, and it's an elderly gentleman and his wife, and uh, they have Star Wars Tracker. And they have all the information entered into Star Wars Tracker, which made my life really, really easy. And Justin came out to help. And uh, he came out to help, and he came out to hang out, and he didn't want anything for that. And uh, we packed up everything. I made an offer. We made a deal. We packed up everything into my truck. I told Justin to just take all the modern. There were like four or five boxes of modern. And I said, dude, just take it. I don't want it. He, uh, he collects modern as well um, and vintage. And uh, he said, sure. So he got some cool modern there, and then uh, 
Also, we went down to a gas station right down the road. We're in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we went down to the gas station, and we started going through all the boxes and really looking at it and laughing over it and taking pictures with 21 back fats and stuff like that. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I gave him, I, I always, this is completely separate, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, um, but I always pay a finder's fee for anything anybody anybody hooks me up with a huge wild find that's too big for them or something like that or they just happen to come across it and don't want that much stuff i'm your guy and i definitely pay a percentage and i make sure it works out for everybody and anyway so we went down to the gas station i gave him his percentage which he didn't expect at all i figured he saw it because i have it posted a whole bunch of different places um but he was like, oh, no, you didn't have to do that, man. I just wanted to hang out. I wanted to see all this stuff. You know, it was such a huge collection. And I was like, that's awesome, brother. So it was really cool. Also, he says brother, like me, which was really cool. But he's a really cool guy, um, Justin Tharp, really nice guy. I'm hoping him and his lovely wife will come up to ICCC. Um, they have VIP passes on me. Uh, because it it was such a cool hookup. He was such a nice guy, and I made a great new friend there, and it's awesome. And uh, that wild find, I'm turning around here in my chair just looking at stuff, and it is amazing. I'm going to actually do a uh, an auction, but that'll happen before this even this episode even comes out but i'm doing an auction of some of the mini rigs and stuff like that that i can't use but uh awesome wild find so thank you very much sir uh justin tharp thanks a bunch buddy uh thanks not only for the wild find tip um but thanks for listening to ic star wars and thanks for being part of the ic i really appreciate it so uh thank you very much sir and everybody else get on it i pay a finder's fee <laughs> Next up is Ask Mike. This is the Ask Mike section. So what happens is I put up a post out on the IC, and I do not open it up until I record it right now. So you ask me anything, and I just answer it all willy-nilly. So uh, here, I'll pull up the post. Okay. And first up is David Lemieux. When do you think the Jets will be competitive again? <laughs> All right, I'm a New York Jets fan, New York football Jets. Um, here, hold on one second while I'm going to move this over. Uh, this is the wonder of live, uh, live reading, reading all this stuff live. So this is the wonder of it. You get a lot of uh, me speaking while I'm switching over uh, web pages. There we go. All right, I have it up. Okay, so David Lemieux, when will the Jets be competitive again? I am a New York Jet fan, and as a true New York Jet fan, I will tell you, sir, the New York Jets will be competitive again next year. That's what we always say. It hasn't come true yet, but there's always next year. J.D. Mill, who is your second favorite character? My second favorite character is Han Solo. He is awesome. He would be my favorite if he had a cool helmet. Um... He's, he's great. He has a Falcon. He's really cool with Chewbacca. If I could be somebody when I grow up, it would be Han Solo. Um, I dig Solo. He's awesome. Trucker Nick, from your collection, what is your most valuable piece? Not monetarily, but sentimental. Uh, my most sentimental piece. Well, there's two. Um, I guess my most sentimental piece would be the Luke Skywalker, uh, Luke Stormtrooper that my wife got me. I, I think it was for an anniversary, but, uh, she got it for me like seven years ago now. 
and uh, that got me really back into collecting heavy, and that eventually started the IC, then the ICCC, then the 21 subgroups, and blah, 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 and so on and so forth, and a podcast where you can ask me questions on the original IC on the podcast. But um, that's the one that would hold the closest place in my heart. Unfortunately, it is in my complete set, which is screwed in behind an acrylic wall, so... <laughs> It would probably, if, like, the house was burning down, I, I might leave that one because it would take me a good five minutes to get it out. Um, and in that situation, I would grab the B-Wing Pilot. It's just a junky B-Wing Pilot. It's an AFA-50 B-Wing Pilot. What happened is when I was younger, um, I used to collect Star Wars toys with my friends, Mark Bonaguide and Eric Bosley. And we used to go around and we used to hunt at these different venues and different antique stores and different junk shops and tag sales and whatever. And we used to go around and we used to try to get the Star Wars figures for our collection. When we did that, we were young. Uh, younger than most normal people collect. Uh, and we planned for the future and we planned to keep them and have them and blah, 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 blah. Well, life happens and that doesn't always happen. But I do have a, uh, a B-Wing pilot mint on card that I purchased a very long time ago when I was young. And I saved up money from lawn mowing yards and I purchased that B-Wing pilot. And I have kept it mint on card all these years in the safety of my mom's house in the closet. So... After all these years, I got it back from my mom's house, and immediately, because I had gold, I sent it off to AFA, and they sent it back, and it came back as a 50, and I said, wow, that's harsh, but now looking at it, it's not harsh, it's a fair grade, it's uh, pretty rough, but it still doesn't change the fact that when I was a little kid, um, I thought that thing was the coolest thing ever, I never saw one with the Power of the Force coin, because I didn't have an opportunity, I was too young to be buying the Power of the Force set in the... Uh, stores so everything i have star wars vintage is aftermarket um so i went and i bought this b-wing pilot and i was so sure it would be my my complete retirement plan because it had this gold coin on it and it wasn't even a gold coin i think it already had a yellow bubble that's how bad it was but i didn't know any better um so, I kept it for so long, sent it to AFA, and it still holds a really special place in my collection. It's right up on a top shelf right next to uh, the Imperial Shuttle there that's uh, exploded. CAS made a, uh, like, it was a really nice mint, mint shuttle, and I wanted it in flying mode and a giant piece of acrylic, so they did that for me. And uh, the B-Wing pilot is right next to it, next to the uh, B-Wing that is displayed the same way by AFA. So, uh... Yeah, he holds a very special place in my collection. He would definitely be one of the first things that I would grab. The thing is, is I can't replace it. And when I look at that card, it's almost like looking at a friend's face you haven't seen for 20 years. You remember exactly where every mark is. You remember where every crease is, where every ding, dent, scratch, and all those things that weather us and make us who we are. And, uh... It reminds me of that dream, that dream as a kid, and the dreams that can still be had. I don't know, it's a it's a corny piece, no one would care about it, it's worthless. But to me, it's worth everything. Uh, next up, Patrick Egan says, Boba, I agree, sir. Uh, he didn't really ask a question, he just said Boba, so I agree. <laughs> Richard Trosclair 
Thank you for all you do for the collecting community. How many rocking firing prototype fets do you think were actually produced by Kenner? Uh, Richard, thank you very much for the kind words. I appreciate that. How many were actually produced by Kenner? I don't know. I believe the number is 100, but a super duper secret, 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 spoiler alert, secret of ICCCon is we are going to have an exclusive Rocket Fett panel with all the best info about Rocket Firing Boba Fett so I can learn more so I know what to hunt for. But um, from what I've heard, there's about a 100 of the Rocket Firing prototypes total around in the world um, that have been found or noticed or in somebody's collection. That number could be higher, it could be lower. Um, I'm not sure anybody knows, but we will find out at ICCCon at the panel. Check it out, www.icnashville.com. Um, next up, Leon Haig, what was your first ever vintage purchase? Hmm. You know what? My first ever vintage purchase is the only vintage I've ever bought from an actual real store. Um, way back in the day, we had this place in Torrington, Connecticut called Bradley's. I don't know if you remember Bradley's, Bradley's, but, uh, anyway, we had this place called Bradley's. It's like a Sears or a Caldor or what exists nowadays. I don't know. Like a Whole Foods, but instead of food, they had stuff. <laughs> it was like Amazon, but in real life. Uh, so anyway, there was this place called Bradley's and we used to go to Bradley's and downstairs, there was a downstairs and you'd walk down these stairs and there'd be like all the stuff that's left over, like the old stuff. And in one of these bins one day, while I was crawling around in there searching for something cool, um, there was Leia Bosch and a complete, is it Bosch or Bosch? I always ask. I don't know. There was a Leia Bosch on a complete, um, on a return of the Jedi card, uh, just regular Leia Bosch. It was a complete beater card. And uh, that was a Star Wars figure, and I, I, I knew it. And I was like, oh, Star Wars, cool, you know? And uh, I had to be probably eight, maybe. But this is the first memory I have. Uh, I used to have the figures of my brothers that were down at my grandma's house, and I used to play with those. But the first I ever bought, bought. Um, I guess my mom bought it for me. But still, the first I ever bought, bought was that Leia Bosch, and it was the only one I ever found in the store. And I had that thing tore open before we got to the car, and I dropped the blaster because I don't remember that giant stick blaster she has at all. So I lost that immediately. I still have it, and I still have the helmet. And the helmet is not a uh, super special yellow prototype helmet, even though it has no paint. It's just seen lots of wear, and I wouldn't be surprised if I chewed on it at one point, because uh, kids will be kids. But uh, Leia Bespin was the first. Uh, John Collectibles. Toilet paper. Over or under? Um... Over, because under makes it rip. Aiden Delaney, who is your favorite Star Wars actor that you have met? Ooh, that's a tough one, man. I have lots of people come. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know what? Uh, I will absolutely throw the respect out there to Jeremy Bullock. He uh, is awesome and Boba Fett, and I had him sign some stuff. But, I mean... Pretty much every Star Wars actor I run into seems to be really extremely nice. Um, I don't want to just start naming them because then I'll have to name everybody. But Gerald Holm is such a nice guy. Squidface, he sends me jokes through email and they're hilarious. Burn Kalakwa was super nice. He rocks the ICCC hat to lots of different conventions. Um, 
also Clemso who came on and he did a podcast or I don't know everybody I was just hanging out this past weekend in Las Vegas with uh Steven Constantino a uh, great guy love him we have such a good time together it's so much fun and uh he's a grammarian guard I mean there's there's so many different ones Chris Bunn is hilarious he's one of the funniest guys ever uh, who else? Uh, Corey D. Williams is great. Corey D. Williams and I just go back and forth all the time on Messenger and on posts and just mess with each other. It's hilarious. He is a very funny guy. Um, but all these guys, they're just... If, if I have them and if they come back to ICCC and stuff like that, they are, they are fun or they are good people or they are kind or they are nice... I mean, the ones that there's problems with will not be constantly asked back. Because there's a thing. They are the celebrities. They are incredibly awesome. And we all want to know more about what they do. But as soon as they get totally overinflated about that and think they're better than the whole wide world, that uh, that makes it not enjoyable. And there's no reason for that. So that's what I'm always shooting for with this convention. But uh, Star Wars actors, I've I've met quite a few now. I'm extremely lucky. I consider myself extremely blessed. But because uh, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. This is awesome. I'm telling you, wait till you hear. You know what? At the end of this episode, the very, very last thing, what I will do is I will read this flyer that is sitting here right next to me, and you will see all these awesome Star Wars people I am going to get to meet. You are going to get. We are all going to get to meet this year at ICCC. I'm going to read the list, so it will be an exclusive here first. The sizzle reel is not even ready yet. It has not been released to the general public. Um... I did hand out some flyers in Vegas. If you came out to see me, I was doing a cross-promotion thing with Rogue Toys, if you know Rogue Toys. And uh, I was out at the Toy Con out there in Las Vegas. It was very nice. Thank you very much to Rogue Toys and to uh, the Las Vegas Toy Con and to the Millennium Bar, the Millennium Fandom Bar in Las Vegas, Nevada. I highly suggest checking it out. It's awesome. There's, like, everything you could think of from every fandom all over the walls. Great drinks, fair prices, awesome location. Check it out, Millennium Fandom Bar. They actually didn't even pay me for that. I just really enjoyed myself. <laughs> Next up is Dwayne Smith. What is the weirdest piece in your collection? Hmm. I have to think on that a little. I do have some pretty weird pieces. I mean, some of the bootlegs, they just look like the nightmare of a insane person of an insane person uh so could be some of the bootlegs i mean i have a mets hat here and i detest the mets i am a yankee fan for life go yankees um but it's got darth vader on it so it makes it into my house um lots of different things uh i have these little russian nesting dolls which are really cool that they open up i got them down in mexico um, rushing nesting dolls from Mexico. How random. Uh, I also have these paper mache um, Boba Fets that are handmade down in Mexico. This one guy makes them. He doesn't make very many, but he makes a few different characters. They're really interesting. Uh, the Resonators are really cool. American bootlegs. I'm trying to think of what's over there. Some of the Boba Fets are really awesome. Um, but those are kind of more regular. You know, even if it's a palatoy 30 back or something it's a still a boba fett a boba fett's a boba fett um weirdest weirdest i have the movie reel from return of the jedi oh 
I know. Okay. I have this <laughs> I have this bootleg. It's a it's a pool table. It's a vintage bootleg pool table from Mexico um with little tiny pool balls and it's no bigger than I'd say a uh mm, I'd say like 15 inches wide by 12 inches tall. Really really not huge. Um size of a toaster oven. But uh it's it's a it's a small gaming table and it came on a mint on card and it says star war on the mint on card um and it has all drawings of like luke lay and stuff like that but it was star wars pool and it came on that mexican vintage bootleg and i just always think it's cool and it's very very random and weird uh the only other thing uh if you guys know me i am somebody who enjoys a clean space and i do have a really really gross and oily um <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cup back because it has a picture of Boba Fett on it and I wanted it but I mean it's wrapped in a Ziploc and stuff but still it's like I don't like gross stuff I mean I, I tend to even stay away from the stuffed animal figures because you don't know where they've been but I don't know some people love those so believe me I'm not speaking against them you just definitely don't have a competitor in me if you're uh, looking to buy one <laughs> uh what is your favorite non-boba piece in your collection? My favorite non-boba piece in my collection... Uh, can I use my wife's collection too? No, my favorite non-boba piece in my collection... I was going to say, if I could use my wife's collection, I was going to say that uh, Hot Toys Princess Leia um, statue. That is... Uh, it's just the statue in the uh, New Hope white gowned. Uh, white gown sorry gowned <laughs> in the white gown and uh she just the face the sculpt the art the painting the everything about that figure is phenomenal um if it's something from my collection not boba fett the imperial shuttle i love the imperial shuttle i have to have i think four or five in my collection room um i love it it takes up massive amounts of space it just is to me the epitome of what a toy should be it's awesome it's huge you could fit 20 guys in it you could fly it around the backyard it's even got a handle for it um it's just really awesome so yeah i love the imperial shuttle for sure uh next up uh, do, do, do. do the predators have a chance this season uh nhl not actual predator hunting season i do live in nashville tennessee the ic con is in nashville tennessee um but I kind of, sort of, sometimes watch the Preds. Um, I have no idea if they have a chance this season. Everyone has a chance this season. That's the way sports works. Uh, Ray Schilling. Does any, actually, the reason, the main reason why is because I used to watch hockey a lot back in the day. Here, I'll be totally up front since somebody asked about hockey on the thread for some reason. Um, I used to watch hockey back in the day. I am a true blue Hartford Whalers fan. I grew up in Connecticut. I loved my Whalers. Um, they said that if the people of Connecticut banded together and bought all the uh, bought all the uh, season tickets for the next two years, they would stay in Hartford and turn down all the other offers. Well, if you know hockey at all, uh, there are no Hartford Whalers anymore, and we did buy all those tickets. So it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth for hockey. Um, I've been to a bunch of Preds games. They're super-duper fun. The Preds are super-duper great, but I wouldn't say I'm exclusively a Preds fan. Um, 
yeah, hockey hockey lost its thing for me when the Whalers left Connecticut. Uh, Ray Schilling, does anyone know what next figures were released? Does anyone know what the next figures were that were to be released in the Power of the Force line when it was canceled? Um, yes, people do know. I know some people that have proof cards of them and stuff like that. Um, I don't want to just start spouting off what I think they are, but I'm pretty sure there was a squid face. I'm pretty sure there was a something else. Um, a Bosque I saw. I don't know. I'm definitely not qualified um, to answer that question, brother, but it's definitely Googleable, and I am quite sure folks would be able to help you. If you just put up a post on the IC, just ask. Um, I'm sure some of the folks on the IC have those. I do not. Uh, Paige Ryder, next up. When did you know the initial IC Facebook page was blowing up and needed to be expanded? Um... See, what happens if you're starting a new Facebook page? Once it gets to about 2,500 people, it becomes a lot of work. It becomes nighttime work, daytime work, stuff like that. Um, but the thing is, is I had a really good team of admins that started, that came on and helped uh, on their own time. They were crazy like me. <laughs> but it was wonderful. Um, they all helped. They all ran their subgroups, stuff like that. We had the Imperial Commissary 2 very early. Um, that's because people needed a place to put modern. Um, we all collect modern. We all buy something at Kmart or Walmart and we want to share it. Um, so that started out of necessity. And then we had this thread, uh, the Imperial Commissary Pay It Forward thread. Um, and it worked for a while, but the problem was is the IC grew so big and there were so many sales and stuff that thread would disappear. Um, and it was an ongoing thing. So we started a subgroup for that. Also, we started a subgroup for the traveling Twi'lek. Um, it was because of an idea that I had with a friend and we were going to just send a bib for tuna. And, uh, we sent him with a book and we sent him off and he has been all over the world. If you go look at the traveling Twi'lek page, it's really crazy how far this little 3.75 figure has gone, um, in his time. It's it all just starts out of necessity when there's a new idea or when somebody has a new thing they want to do. Um, for example, the latest subgroup is the Imperial Commissary Auction House. The reason for that is because auction fees are extremely high um, anywhere. Whether it's an auction house, whether it's eBay, whether it's anything, they're trying to cover their costs and their overhead. But the thing is with a Facebook group, there's no real costs or overhead. So it allows the customers and the sellers to get right in touch with each other i've only used it i think i've put up one auction so far but lots of people are using it which is wonderful but the reason why that started was out of necessity people were dying for a place to post auctions somewhere for a place to post auctions that is regulated and watched and has people on it selling that are legitimate good sellers where it's a safe place where it's an ic place that's something that we do um it's different than most places and the reason why it's different than most places is we really, really try to protect all the people on our group. Those are our members. Those are our family. Um, every once in a while, somebody bad does slip through, but they are immediately dealt with. Um, everything that happens as far as scams or ripoffs or anything like that on the IC is, is dealt with so quickly. And plus, as long as you use friends and as long as you use uh, PayPal goods and services, you're protected for 120 days. So you're completely safe. Um, and we've built this 
And the way that you build something like that is constant maintenance. You got to think of it as a wild yard. Your yard is wild. It has extremely fast growing grass. It grows three inches a day. And if you don't get out there every single day, you and a team of people to maintain that place and make it look beautiful, it'll be overgrown instantaneously and ruined. Um, so that's what we do. And as more people have started more subgroups and more people come on to help and more people hung out at meetups and really shown how much they are helpful and they end up becoming admins and mods and the IC mod squad and all these people. I mean, I think there's 27 ad admins and mods of the Imperial Commissary now. That's not counting the 15 people that run the departments for ICCC or the 100 volunteers that come out for ICCC. I mean, it's really amazing how many people work to make this happen, to make all these things that are IC happen. And so when did I know? You know what? The easiest way to say it is I am not a person that I, I don't have pride. I, I believe that other people know more than me about everything. I believe some people know tons more than me about everything. Um, so any of those people come to me and they say, hey, Mike, I have this idea which will help grow the community, grow the IC, grow the IC community. I'm all about it. And I am all about helping them or doing whatever they say <laughs> it's uh I, I i know i don't know everything i just know that i happen to be on this runaway train that is called the imperial commissary and i am the engineer on that train and people get on and they get off that train but it has to keep going forward um because it's very important it's a integral part of this community so it has to keep driving forward it has to keep growing and it has to keep the collectors connected that's what we're trying to do. And uh, so I always take more admins. We always figure out new admins. We always add people when they have new Facebook ideas or something like that. Um, but as far as when did I know I needed help and it needed to be expanded, um, I <laughs> right off the bat, I mean, I don't know anything about Facebook. I just wanted a safe place to play Star Wars where I could give away toys at the beginning. Like I was giving away those free figures because I had so many extra. And, uh, I was getting so much gruff on other pages, so I just wanted a place where people can't pick on other people, and uh, I guess in today's society, that's pretty important, so that's why the IC keeps growing like it does. Next up, Carlos Oliveres. What is art? What is art? I don't know. Art? Uh, if you mean... What is art? I don't know what that means. Uh, I'm guessing maybe because the figure of the week is, uh, or the vehicle, uh, or the vintage of the week on the Imperial Commissary is vintage Star Wars art. It just means anything painted or made like Ralph McQuarrie stuff or, I don't know, a, a poster, a movie poster that is drawn instead of pictures, stuff like that. Uh, Patrick Egan, I also need to know this. Who would win a fight, RoboCop versus the Terminator? We'll see, say, a T-800 generic model. None of the advanced Terminator sciences. Um, definitely a Terminator, because RoboCop has that whole place by his chin that is completely unprotected. And a Terminator would see that, and it's like, 
computer would be like, that's the most probable hit. So that's where he'd shoot, and it would be over really quick. Next up, Damian Goodrich. It was a pleasure meeting you this weekend, bro. Uh, I was at the Las Vegas Toy Show. Damian came out. He said hi a couple times, got to meet his son. It's a good time. His son's actually going to get us some anime folks for ICC somehow. I don't know, because I don't know anything about anime. But I said, sure, people like it. Um, Damian. What was your very first Star Wars fig as a kid? Brother, I already did that one up top. Well, no, that's not true. I didn't do That was the first one I bought. First Star Wars fig as a kid, um, my favorite was definitely the AT-AT driver. He was my Boba Fett, my TIE fighter pilot. I've talked about him a couple times in the past here. Um, definitely the stuff at my grandma's house. My grandma's house, it was like, you have to go to grandma's house. And it was back in the day when it used to be like, here's your pea soup with a bone in it. And you'd be like, oh, I want McDonald's. And... That didn't work out, and you had to eat your pea soup with a bone of it, but God, God rest her soul. I mean, she was a wonderful lady. and uh, But uh, I remember that after you after you ate, you were allowed to go upstairs and play. And when you go upstairs and play, there was the Hoth play set. There was a probot with the turbot. There was, uh, uh, what did I have, AT, AT driver. I had about four or five snowtroopers for some reason. Uh, I had a Lando. Um... Leia Bausch, uh, there was a few others. Darth Vader, I had a Darth Vader. Um, but those were my first, and those I still have. I still have them on my bottom shelf there in my collection room. I still have uh, my Falcon hanging from the ceiling. Actually, I, I say those figures were mine, but they were technically my brother's, but he was older then and too cool for them, and I thought they were the world, so they became mine. They are mine now. <laughs> There's a statute of limitations on these things. No, uh, next up, William Carmack, can you get Dave Dorman to come to ICCC 2019? Brother, I don't mean to be that guy, but this is on the spot, and I have no idea who Dave Dorman is, but I will try to look into it, brother, for sure. Um, Brian Collingwood, we all know you are a vintage FET freak. Who I am. When looking for Bobas, do you look for or consider different paint apps or odd issues FETs at all times variations? I am a FET freak as well, and I overanalyze every one and found odd ones. How many vintage FETs are in the pyramid? Uh, I have this pyramid of vintage Boba Fets. There's about 370 in the pyramid, but there's many hundreds more in fishbowls and stuff around the room. Um... But that's what fits in the pyramid. But many of them are different variations. That's kind of a neat thing. Personally, I believe I am one of the people that thinks there aren't that many variations of Boba Fett. I would say Hong Kong Black Belt, Hong Kong Brown Belt, Taiwan Black Belt, Taiwan Brown Belt, uh, Taiwan Blue Painted Helm. Um, what else? Then there's Lily Letty, Meccano, Double Scar, Single Scar on both of those. And then PVP, which is what people call tri-logo but it's technically pvp and that one has a double scar and single scar as well i also um believe there is a pvp removable rocket i also believe there is a lily Letty removable rocket but those are uh those are the major variations as far as the things where people start going yellow paint gray limb yoga limb uh, this, that, you know, there's there's different kinds of paint apps like olive chest or light green chest, and all those paint apps are very cool, but I don't personally believe that they count as a variation. I love the look of them. I love looking at all the different ones and all the different ways, but I mean, if you start getting into it, pretty much every figure has, has that. Um, I mean, even stormtroopers do. 
once you start really looking tight, you see the numbers on the feet, you see the raised bar, you see the step of the chin plate. Um, I'm looking around my desk right here, and there's many. Leia Bespin. Leia Bespin has about a billion variations uh, between her hair, her neck, her hands, her face sculpt, her cape. There's so many different capes. Even Jawa's different capes. Even R2's have different stickers. There's so many different variations with so many different Star Wars figures that um, I tend to stick to the different manufacturers and the main variations. Uh, but that's just me. Everybody can look at what they want to look at. But no, I don't believe there should be any increase in price for a, I don't know, yellow painted Boba Fett. I mean, it's just think of like dipping a paintbrush into orange paint i mean by the time you get to the far end of a white wall it's going to eventually start getting more and more yellow so it's not really a variation it's just a matter of uh they were made in third world factories in 1970s i mean it's it wasn't exactly uh osha compliant <laughs> let alone the paint was mixed right uh next up let me see what was the first expensive figure you bought, you spent money on in your collection? The first expensive figure, well, what I thought was expensive at the time was a long time ago, and that was, uh, like, the B-Wing pilot or some of the things. I mean, I remember I spent, I think, $10 on two AT-AT chin guns, and I thought that was a fortune at the time. There was a yak face that my mother threw mine away when I was a kid that I could never afford. It was sitting up there in the corner. I think it was 100 bucks, but... uh. I can never afford that. When I started collecting again and I started finishing my loose set, uh, definitely the one thing I really uh, sucked it up on and paid the full price straight out the gate um, when I got there was uh, Yak Face. And when he came in, I definitely remember that feeling, that rush, that holy moly, I just spent 350 bucks on this piece of plastic in my nuts. Uh, but I wasn't nuts, and it was really, really awesome, and I'm very excited to have him still. Um but no, I'd say my most expensive figure when I was doing my loose set was loose set was probably Warwick. I had the most problems with his bow. I got three repro ones. Um, that's one of the major reasons why I'm such a uh, repro hater <laughs> is because of that 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 darn Warwick man that that bow. I couldn't figure it out, and then I couldn't figure it out forever. And it's easy to figure out now, but it's just you know you gotta gotta learn. And uh, he ended up being probably the most expensive figure. I think. Well, no, I bought three or four of him. Still, Yak Face was more. I think I paid 350 bucks for that Yak. And uh, that was like, oof, you know, it's a big hit. You don't expect it back then. Now you look at it, I look at it back in the day, and it's a totally different world. But I, I don't know. It was my first foray into collecting something that expensive that was plastic. I mean, that you got to explain to people that don't know what it is that you're not completely insane. Stuff like that. Uh, next up, Jay Schmidt. Okay, in the last podcast, you talked about the people and memories you've made through collecting. I'm curious, do you keep a journal or is your memory just amazingly good? My memory is shockingly good, bro. I, uh, I definitely uh, use it like a file folder on a computer. I am able to remove things and add things um, over and over and over. Like I can give you www.imperialcommissary.com, the... Uh, Facebook group is www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Imperial Commissary. Imperial Commissary 2, same thing except a 2 at the end. Uh, www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IC paper. Uh, www.musiccityhavens.com. I can, I just, um, 
retain stuff like that. I don't know, but that's probably what makes me good at remembering uh, figure information and stuff like that. I, uh, yeah, I definitely retain it. I don't know if I have much room in my brain for everything else, but it's just the way my mind works. It's uh, always running. It's uh, It used to be difficult to sleep till I started figuring out how to do that, too. Um, it's just heavily regulated everything I do. If I go to bed at 10 o'clock at night and wake up at 5 in the morning, I am fine. If I go to bed at midnight and wake up at 4 in the morning, I'm messed up all day. Um Jay Smith, is the podcast on Spotify? I have no idea. It probably is. I don't know. I don't know how any of this works. I just do a podcast because we did the other podcast and then you guys still wanted a podcast. So a bunch of people wrote me and they said, please do a podcast. So I went on YouTube and I searched podcast and uh, here you go. 13 episodes later, this is what you get. I hope you enjoy it. Next up, Eric Nederostik. Hey, buddy, be honest. Paplu versus Boba Fett in a fight. Who wins? Remember, Ewoks are spry and gutsy. Uh, that little fuzzy bear wouldn't get within 100 miles of Boba, man. It's just the way it is. Um, Dave Moore actually asks. I remember this question. It was on a, another page, but still, he asked... Um, What's the big deal with Boba Fett? What makes him so cool? He was in the movie for 30 seconds. <sighs> what makes Boba Fett so cool is that he had an unbelievable outfit that was just so cool. He was so cool. He didn't talk. He didn't blab. He got the job done. He captured Han Solo, which the entire Empire couldn't do. Um, plus, in order to get that armor and the lore that goes behind it and all these things that... We used to read back in the day that used to be like part of the Star Wars universe. And then all of a sudden they were like, Disney is like, hey, listen, we didn't write that stuff, so it don't count. Um, <laughs> and all that stuff, Boba Fett is a very cool character. He is very awesome. And that's why I dig Boba Fett. Um, was he in the movie for a short time? Yeah, but tell me a character in the movie that looked cooler. Besides Darth Vader, which sort of kind of technically doesn't count because he's a lead character and he is super awesome. But if you could tell me another another character in the Star Wars movie that looks as cool as Boba Fett, even Stormtroopers can't hand a, hold a candle to Boba Fett's armor. That's why he's become lore. That's why even the creator of Boba Fett, George Lucas, putting him in a Sarlacc pit and saying that he's dead doesn't kill the legend that is Boba Fett escaping that from that Sarlacc pit. He's just too cool, man. Shenanigans. Everybody calls shenanigans on it. No way some hole in the desert's going to take out Boba Fett. Next up, Eric Uten. Besides the IC, what are some of the best resources, books, collecting guides, websites for vintage Star Wars information? I'm always trying to beef up my library. All right, um, going off the top of my head, The Imperial Gunnery, for sure. You can search all these on Google. Uh, the Imperial Gunnery, 12backs.com is really good. SWCA, the Star Wars Collector's Archive. You can search Star Wars Collector's Archive. Um, is unbelievably good for bootlegs and weird stuff. Um, I also use uh, Imperial Gunnery forums are really good. The Rebel Scum forums are great. Lots of good old information in there. I find the best way to find out something about anything vintage Star Wars is to learn how to Google properly. Because all these different blogs, websites, uh, everything are connected through the wonderful world of Google. So if you have a certain variation of a B-Wing pilot that you're trying to figure out and you type in different variations of vintage Star Wars B-Wing pilots with the dash and the B-Wing, 
you're going to find exactly what you're looking for. It's going to be one of those sites probably or some of the other wonderful sites there are, um, but you're going to find what you're looking for. And the reason why is because that wonderful Google algorithm that we all take for granted just searches right through so much information. It just sifts it and it finds those words. So if those words pop up, there will be a good chance your information will be there. Another way I like to uh, search is by going to pictures. Um, if you type in the same kind of search term and then you click on pictures in Google, um, you can sometimes find the picture of what you're looking for or a few different figures lined up. And that tends to bring you a link which links you directly to the information you're looking for. Um, but all different information sites, please feel free. If you're ever on the Imperial Commissary, advertise. Uh, tell everybody about your stuff because it's great. Um, next up. David Quinn, what was something that was challenging during the first time assembling the ICCC, but easier the second time around? Okay, and what was the biggest challenge for you, the second one? Also, what is the name of that really awesome Star Wars prototypes and production podcast? I can't think of the name of it. Uh, the awesome podcast is run by David Quinn. I was actually listening to that earlier today. It's uh, Star Wars prototypes and production. Uh, you can search it on the interwebs. It's on Apple, iTunes, and everywhere. I think I listen to it on Stitcher, if that's a thing. Don't quote me. Uh, <laughs> but it is a really good podcast, really high quality. I think he talked about the uh, Cincinnati show on his last podcast, and I do hear some uh, some buzz that there might be an ICCC episode in the works. So go give a listen to David Quinn's Star Wars Prototypes and Production Podcast. It's a bunch of fun. Um but to your first question, sir, what was something that was challenging during the first time assembling ICCC, but second time around, it's easy. Um, during the first time, it was guest stars. I had no idea how to book a guest star, call a guest star, anything at all. Um, it's a lot easier the second time. The, the, the second I opened up the guest star email and wrote the guest stars this year, um, 14 out of the 15 emails responded immediately and said they would come. And the 15th responded the next day and said he would come too. So it was a lot easier. Um, now we have almost shoot 28 guest stars or something. I'm going to, I'm going to read them all off to you at the end of this show. So if you are one of the lucky listeners, this is a bonus you get. And what is the biggest challenge the second time around? I got to be honest, celebration. It's tough. Many of my vendors are waiting till after celebration to book their tables. Uh, many of the people are waiting till after celebration to pay for their tickets. Stuff like that kind of slows it down. But luckily, celebration is in April, which is just, what, five, six weeks away now? Um, so it's no big deal. It, it'll all even itself out. So, uh, But last year, I had no celebration at all to compete with, which was nice. I mean, it's a lot easier. Um. Also, don't forget, if you're up at Celebration, come up to the IC Meetup. It will be on site at the Hyatt Friday night. I am picking out the hors d'oeuvres right now. Um, there will be an open cash bar, so you can come and you can buy drinks if you like. Uh, come, buy, sell, trade. That's what it will be mostly focused on. Um, it will be mostly focused on buying, selling, trading Star Wars. There will be tons of merch, tons of swag, tons of free giveaways, trivia contests, raffle prizes. Also, if you are up at Celebration, 
situation, be sure to stop on by booth 1340. Um, the reason why is because the IC, the Imperial Commissary, has a booth at Celebration. We are an official fan group that has an official license to print some Lucasfilm stuff and to give it out to you for free, which is really, really cool. Um, so come on by. Come on by through booth 1340. Come on by the uh, IC meetup on Friday night. Come on by the IC Hangout on Saturday night. Uh, Michael Tommaso is putting it together for us at a pizza joint right there, right next to the Hyatt. Um, so that one is for everybody that can't make it on on uh, Friday night. But Friday night will be the main one. Saturday night will be much more casual. Just pizza and beers with friends. So very exciting, very exciting times, very exciting news. Come on out to Boot 1340. And uh, there you go, Jay Schmidt. What do you think of that, man? All that stuff was off the top of my head. <laughs> uh next up uh david quinn second biggest challenge we did that one also the name of the pro- yep your star wars production and prototypes we did that one too next question scott terry have you ever had to sell anything off that was essential to your focus no Thankfully, I have not, Scott. Um, I did sell a bunch of stuff uh, after ICCC. I wanted to make sure I had money to put on the second year before I started contracting people and stuff like that. So I did have to sell off a lot of things then, but it was nothing that was essential. I mean, even when I would sell a Boba Fett, it would be a Boba Fett I have two or three of. I didn't sell anything hard um, to get back, uh, and it's all turned around anyway and it's all come back anyway because it's been (laughs) it's been a pretty good beginning of the year but uh no i have not had to sell off anything that was essential to my focus uh next up dave o'brien are you coming to one of the kane county shows this year dave i love coming up to the kane county shows because there's a lot of toys there's a lot of people that come out to those um it'll be random brother what usually happens is somewhere near kane i just decide at the last minute to fly up there and go check it out um i would love to man i love the hunt i love the hunt so yes i would like to um hopefully keep me posted always tell me when they are and i will try my best alex card next question i will go to iccc i will take figures lily letty for sale or trade i'm only looking for molded face and proof card stormtrooper i will complete uh I will a complete collection, Lily Letty, and some CAS and AFA. All right, so Alex Card is going to come up to ICCC with Lily Letty. That's pretty interesting. That's a heck of a way to market. Good job, Alex Card. I'll read it. He's going to come up to ICCC with a bunch of Lily Letty figures. Um, he's looking only for Luke Molded Face and Proof Card Stormtroopers. Um, he will bring a complete collection of Lily Letty, some CAS, and AFA. That's cool, brother. Next up, Ray Schilling. I have another, but I'll save it for next podcast. Well, that's it. That's the last question for the Ask Mike section. Thank you very much for playing along and listening in. Next up, we're going to go on to our celebrity interview, which is very exciting. Uh, I have Clem So on the phone, so we are going to switch over to that, and let's find out what it's like to be in, like, 30, 40 movies or something. It's it's wild. He's been in so many movies. He's been in more movies than, I don't know, than I have for sure. <laughs> so, let's go talk to Clem. So, thank you very much for tuning in. And tune in at the end of the episode for the big reveal for the ICCCon movie star guest list.
The Emperor has been expecting you. Now I would like to welcome Clem So to our 13th episode interview of I See Star Wars. How you doing, Clem? I'm doing fine, Michael. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for coming on. We actually have Clem. Clem's going to come on out to ICCC this year, so that'll be very exciting. But, um... It's That's always, an exclusive. Yeah, that is an exclusive. Actually, <laughs> I haven't said it yet. That is the breaking news. <laughs> but uh, it's really tough to get to know somebody in a quick interview. Here at IC Star Wars, we do a lightning round to break the ice. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite Star Wars movie? Uh, I'll have to say, I would have to say, without a doubt, Empire Strikes Back. Nice. Um, I, I love the whole Battle of Hoth. I mean, that, to me, as a teenager, yeah, that was amazing to watch that. Awesome. What's your favorite Star Wars character? Hmm. Well, I, I kind of, you know, I, I know that a lot of Star Wars fans are maybe a bit hot and cold about the prequels, but um, I do like Darth Maul. Darth Maul is cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Darth Maul is cool, and I'm hot and cold about the prequels. <laughs> yeah, it's the prequels, and then there's Darth Maul. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's your uh, favorite Star Wars toy line? Where do you think it looked cool? Is it the old vintage stuff, or is it the well, new modern Black yeah. Series type? Uh, I, I love the Kenner. Obviously, the vintage Kenner. Um, the vehicles in particular. I mean, I love the AT-ATs. Um, they, they stick out for me as the... I mean, I was, if I was going to get something, it would be an at-at, for nice. sure. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Han Solo versus Lando in a prize fight boxing match. Who wins and why? Oh, Han. Han ah. Solo is... Uh, why does he win, though? Ooh. Yeah. I just think he's a little bit more sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> I think he is. The bigger scoundrel of the two. Yeah, um, I think so. Lucasfilm gives you a call tomorrow, and they say, you can choose the next spinoff movie. What do you pick? Oh, gosh, that's a hard one. Do you know, I've been thinking about this. Uh, do you know, I mean, I, I, I like, I, I'm going back to the prequels now. <laughs> um, I like uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, and I love all that stuff that went on in the Jedi Academy. Um, so anything to do with that, um, a story around that would be awesome. I mean, they kind of feel like the modern films kind of shy away from Jedi, anything Jedi. Um you know, you get, you've got Luke and you've got Ray, but you know, you don't really, it's not much Jedi in there. Right. <laughs> you, you like the surplus of Jedi. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that scene, man, in, uh, what was it? Episode three where, uh, they come in and all the Jedi are in that Coliseum and what is it? Oh, Geonosis? That was really cool, man. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's one of the most memorable scenes for sure. in the prequels. Yeah, and they had all these different sort of creatures, didn't they? Yep, sure enough. Different colored lightsabers. Yeah, you can pick your own color, right? Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> well, great lightning round, brother. Um, I know who you are, but let's fill in our listeners since we've already since we've already drawn up a contract. I know who you are, but <laughs> um, what you started, you started in Keanu Reeves' Japanese historic fantasy film 47 Ronin in 2011. And That's then he tremendous. went into 
30, like more than 30 more movie roles. I'm going to just rattle them off, man, and then we'll talk about your favorites. But just so the listeners can know all these roles and bring all their stuff for you to sign. Um, he was in Skyfall, Fast and the Furious 6, Muppets Most Wanted, Guardians of the Galaxy, Kingsman, Jupiter Ascending, Pan, Scepter, Star Wars Episode 7, Luther, Sherlock, awesome show. <laughs> I love Sherlock, man. Uh, My Best Friend's Wedding, Doctor Strange, Assassin's Creed, Beauty and the Beast, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, and uh, like 10 episodes of Doctor Who, Justice League, Star Wars Episode 8, Ready Player One, awesome, um, Solo, A Star Wars Story, which I really, really loved, Jurassic World, Fantastic Beasts, and like a bunch more. It's really crazy, man. You've been in so many movies that I love and watch. So number yeah. one, thank you very much because <laughs> I'm exactly your kind of nerd. And, uh, <laughs> Number yeah. two, I think it's awesome that you also collect. You're a collector. You collect uh, Marvel and comics and stuff like that, so you totally yeah. understand where the nerds of today are coming from. It's awesome. Well, I, 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 I used to collect comic books. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think once you're a collector, you're always a collector, and I think that's first and foremost. Um, whatever kind of lines of action figures you choose, you do end up, you, you have to collect. Well, I feel that's what I have to do. So, uh, you know, if I finish collecting something and maybe I get rid of those and then I, I want to collect something else. So in a way, I started off with comic books and, um, and we had British reprints here. And then we went into the American Marvel comics, which were so much cooler because they were in color. Um yeah, I'm sorry. Was there a question? <laughs> no, no. See, that's perfect. You're a collector. Yeah. That's what we do, man. Yeah. We go off on rants. Oh, yeah. So, so what I was <laughs> going to say was I used to go to the, the the little comic book fairs we used to have in the UK, you know, not all this San Diego stuff. And um, and one, uh, I think it was in the 90s, I went to a San Diego con, comic con. I, I really wanted to meet Jack Kirby, who was one of my heroes, um, and I did. And the, the size of the event it was just like nothing I've ever seen. And then now, I mean, I think conventions have moved on. You know, you've got all this um, other thing aspects, you know, like the cosplay aspect, the, the gaming aspect, um, lots of things, different things that add on to the experience of a, a convention. So when I'm at a convention, I really feel and dig, you know, these guys are coming what the you know what they're coming for and I, I really connect with that and um you know i guess i'd say they they, they see that and they can recognize that that i that i have that rapport with them because i mean i'm totally geeked out myself that's awesome man that's that's one of the main reasons why i wanted you is because of that because this entire convention unlike pretty much every other convention under the sun that I've ever seen. It has no giant board of directors. It doesn't have a corporate... Hey, by the way, thanks for the free lead-in to pitch, man. I appreciate that. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it's all run by collectors. We all collect, and we just happen to all have real jobs that are completely separate, that happen to give us specific parts of a convention that we are very very good at making happen so that's wow. why it's really neat there's there's nobody up top man and all we're trying to do is break even and make a great time for the fans oh, so that's so cool uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I can't wait what i can't wait for is like to meet all you guys you know bring your pictures of your collection i love seeing people's collections you know awesome I, you know I, <laughs> all that stuff is just like heaven to me 
Well, if anybody wants to show Clem their collection, um, I will uh, hook you up with his Facebook page, and you can inundate him because I know you all have one. Um, and uh, after I get off the phone with him, I will send over pics of my Boba Fett's because uh, he asked for it. <laughs> cool, brother. All right, so without further delay, you mind if we hop into some essay questions? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Awesome. What was your uh, first Star Wars memory? Um. One of my first memories of Star Wars, well, would be the probably the, the uh, what well, filming wise, or actually experience uh, your Star first. Wars. Uh, I'll I'll tell you, um, your first experience with Star Wars because filming wise is the next question. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I think my first experience was uh, hearing on the British news actually what what a uh, huge event Star Wars was as a movie uh, when the Star Wars 4 came out. Um, you know, I remember seeing uh, how they were to explain how it was a phenomenon and you must go and see it in the movies and people, you know, how young kids were like absolutely going nuts about it. And, you know, it had a lot of hype around it. So I got to see this movie, you know, and uh, when I went to see it, you know, and you see all these characters with their laser swords and, you know, walking robots and, and who can forget all the sound effects? I mean, all those sound effects with the TIE fighters and everything. I mean, all those kind of things, you know, all add to the experience of what is Star Wars today and what we know is Star Wars. So, yeah, it was just that, really, just seeing it on the TV, on the news, and then going to watch it. Um, and I believe it came out slightly later in the UK. I think it came out in 78. So, um, you know, you, by then you guys were... <laughs> really into it before we, we already <laughs> knew it was great yeah. actually i wasn't even born yet man so i started really yeah 1980 brother talk a little bit about your roles in star wars movies what was it like um well the first the first one obviously was the force awakens and um in 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 the world of essays uh, support an artist um you know, everybody knows what's going on 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 you know uh, there's a lot of hearsay and everybody knew that the new Star Wars movie is going to be made, you know, I mean, it's a huge thing. This is like Star Wars seven, the direct sequel to return of the Jedi. So it was a huge thing. And I, you know, I don't know anybody who did, who wouldn't have wanted to be on it. And we knew what the, the code name was for it. Cause they always use a code name. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't tell you what it is. And the code name was Avco Avco, which I, I believe was named after one of the cinemas in the L in, in LA, which, uh, where, where, uh, Star Wars for debut. Um, anyway, and they were they were looking for. They said they were looking for pirates, um, and I thought pirates. That sounds weird. I thought that's this maybe isn't Star Wars, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, there's a lot of to to and throwing with Texas and people. Um, you know, you're being considered, and then we got to the point where we where we were, you know, we were booked on dates uh, for filming, and it came in for a fitting and. And yeah, so my first Star Wars memory is seeing all the costumes. Uh, I'm mean, going through um, uh, the costume department and seeing the the um, stormtrooper outfits, and and as I played one of the resistance personnel, um, so you know that was you know I got to. I mean, they're quite standard. The resistance, the jackets are very similar, you know, with the the orangey red uh, rebel rebellion um, logo. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of my first sort of, you know, experience of soaking that in. Of and obviously then going on set. You know, I, I think the thing that you really feel is, 
it's funny to say because it's kind of like you when you you know even if you're a fan of a movie it's like you, you kind of geek out you allow yourself to geek out for five minutes maybe and then you know <laughs> you're there to work <laughs> uh, so you just get down to it and everybody would it, it definitely felt like there was a a really serious vibe going on because I think everybody knew how important this movie was you know um it, it just felt like there was a huge responsibility to do it right and you know I really wanted to do I mean that I mean that's the work ethic as well isn't it I want to you know you want to do your best anyway uh you don't want to be the guy that you know cost millions because you were weren't concentrating at the right time so right. yeah you know um it was all, you know, there were a lot of great moments. Um, I always remember filming on the Greenham Common RAF base where all the resistance um, uh, external footage was shot, you know, with all the X-wings. Yeah. We had two full-size X-wings and a, a, a two, two three-quarter-size three Millennium Falcon. I think the back fit wasn't quite built, but you could go inside. I didn't actually go inside, but I knew, I know you could go inside it. Um, you know, you had everybody, you know, C3, Anthony Daniels was there, C3PO, you know, Chewbacca, and you had Han Solo on set, um, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, who we called Queen Leia on set, <laughs> and all the new guys. And then, you, of course, you had all your X-Wing pilots, your, you know, your resistance, mm -hmm. um, droids, lots of droids. You know, I think, I, think, uh, I mean, they made a con conscious effort to – move away from CGI because of the prequels and, you know, what George Lucas had done uh, with those prequels. Uh, I really feel they wanted to go back to those sort of hand, hands-on effects of the kind of earlier films. And you could really sense that on the, on the set of the, in Green and Common, they, you know, a lot, you know, it's you watch those scenes, it's most of it is all there, you know. There's very little they added to it. It was all there, you know, all the, People, all the people in the in the in the walking sort of like trash cans and things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. It uh, it really made it um very believable and realistic. That's one of the favorite, my favorite personal things about the Star Wars movies, at least the uh the older movies and the newer movies. Um, yeah. just not really as much the prequels is that used universe feel. Um, some of the stuff in the prequels it was just too nice and. I have coffee stains on my desk, so why shouldn't they? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, what got you into acting? Um, my brother, my brother was um, he did essay work, and he did um, he he was on, he got a, a credited role on um, Casino Royale. He played Mister Fukutu, which is a poker scene. At the uh, lasts about twenty minutes. It's quite an important part of the movie. And they, I think there was only like six or seven of them on that table, and uh, he 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 utters the words uh, six million or and that was his line, um, which I think if you're a Bond fan, you probably know what that that means. You yeah, probably for sure. that would be like oh it's him, you know, six million or then, Mister Fagutus. So yeah, and he's got a very similar sort of look, and uh, he just said to me, you know, I, I think you should give this a go. And uh, so I did, and I joined a few agencies uh, who dealt with um, movies and TV, and uh, I, I worked on a commercial, and then I worked on 47 Ronin, and then I joined more agencies, and then got more jobs, and then, you know, it's just got to that point where I, I, I think in production, everybody knows who I am, 
so, in, you know, in general, we were regarding casting, you know, uh, there aren't many Chinese with long gray hair. So right. uh, I can be a go to guy, um, if, you know, so I, I can sometimes end up with some really cool roles, you know, where they, you know, they really want to feature you because, you know, to give the, the scene a lot more character. Well, all right. Since you've been in so many movies, if any of those movie props that you've ever seen, if somebody said you could pick one to take it home, what would it be? Did you happen to well, walk past the Bugatti? The... <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, do you know, um, on The Force Awakens, uh, they, um, I don't know if it's, I think it's Lucasfilms, they, 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 they like to record every single uh, person that works on there, they photograph them and, and scan them in 3D. And uh, I, I believe there's an archive for this. Um, but when I was going in to get my uh, photos taken, um, this is I, I saw the prop, the actual prop for the uh, Darth Vader melted mask. Oh, cool. It was sitting there right on that table. And uh, A, this was like a huge spoiler at the time for me yeah. because I was like, oh, my God, you know, and then I had to keep my mouth shut after seeing it. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, that something like that would be really cool. Nice. Uh, Darth, Darth Vader's melted mask, or or like a Darth Darth Vader helmet, or a or, or a lightsaber. Any of those kind of things would be really cool. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, you're a collector and mostly Marvel, but what makes you collect? I think I think it's I it, I I want to use the word. It's not being derogatory, but I think it, it is a form of OCD. <laughs> really, it's like you—you you have to. It's like, and then it's a nightmare because, like, if you buy one thing, you need to have them all. You know, you've <laughs> got to have the whole set, and that means all the variants, all the foreign releases. You know, all that stuff. You know, and I've been looking into all the vintage Kenner stuff. You know, just before because I knew it was coming on here, I saw what. Well, you know, I really want to know a little bit about. You know the line that you guys are collecting. I was thinking, Jesus, and I looked into it. And it was like, I, if I understand it right, it's like ninety-six basic figures, and then yep. you've got like a hundred and forty variants. It's like with variants, and it's like a hundred and sixty something with foreign releases. That's just the figures. Yeah, that's just the figures, and that's yeah. not if you start trying to do the variants of cards. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like that for me. I they mean, got like different I, backs. It's nuts, man. Yeah. It's unbeatable. I mean, I, yeah. Well, I, I had a similar thing because I, I I collect Mego Mego dolls. Oh yeah. I said dolls. Um, we got lots of folks that collect Mego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and and there's a and of course there's a Star Wars connection there, isn't there? Because um, Mego were the company that turned down Star Wars. <laughs> they um they were offered it first before it went to Kenner. Did you know that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, only so- reason why is because here we'll give another spoiler, uh, another spoiler. But uh, Jim Swearingen, the guy who made that deal for Kenner, um, yeah. came to ICCC last year, and he will be there this year doing a panel. Oh, wow. So you can meet him because see, you're a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, kind of, you could say Canada were the company that killed Miko. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it went out of business after the turned down star wars so he's a really nice guy i'm sure he'll say i'm sorry yeah. so, <laughs> so so with the whole mego thing was like you know they've got a lot of lines for lots of uh, on you know they got they do marvel dc but they also do planet of the apes star wars and then they do tv shows as well all sorts of kind of random stuff and really obscure um 
and I kind of started off with uh, collecting the world's greatest superheroes, which is the Marvel and DC stuff, which is what most Mego collectors go for first. And then when you're done with that and you've like completed that, which I did do, and then I sold them off, and I thought, well, what else could I collect? So, and so I went for the kind of like oddball things like the foreign releases. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've got into sort of like Action Jackson, which. You know, I have no nostalgic connection to, but it looks like Amigo, and it's kind of like a poor man's action uh, GI Joe mm-hmm. um, figure. But it's got so many kind of like um, vehicles and and outfits and stuff, and I, I really dig all that. Um, so I've really been. I mean, I'm nearly. I would say I'm almost there with completing a whole sort of set of that. Nice. Um, yeah. So well, do you have any Star Wars in your collection? Well, I don't. I'm so frustrated. I knew you were going to ask me Uh-oh. that. I thought, do I? I thought, no, I don't. Right. I actually don't. Because the thing is, right, if I if I bought one of those kind of, kind of figures, <laughs> I'd want them all, right? So it's it's just one of those things. I've, I've got things like, um, you know, I, I collect Marvel Legends as well, you know, mm-hmm. uh, six-inch figures. So I've got a lot of those, and I'm, I'm collecting a lot of the movie figures. Uh, from Marvel, so I have those on the Action Jacksons at the moment, and I have a few. Uh, I have a few hot toys as well. Well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna start your horrible Kenner addiction. Are you ready? Come on. To everyone out there, if you come and visit Clemso, he just said he likes Hoth figures. So if you have oh. a Hoth figure, bring him one. I'm sure wow. some of you guys have armies that you can spare a. A Han or something oh, like that. So now you're in trouble, man. You will have one. You know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'd have to have a whole half diorama, like five or six at ats. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, right? I have, I, mean, I have quite a few, man. So I won't point any fingers at you if you do. <laughs> <laughs> you probably know collectors that have have dioramas with with you know huge you know you you that's what they're for right oh absolutely there's some there's some amazing ones that people put up man um whenever the ad is the uh vehicle of the week i'll pop it up on the ic next week or i'll I'll try i'll put it up for a vote and uh yeah there's some good stuff especially when it snows man some people take everything outside and really set up a whole scene have they got the snow speeders as well can oh yeah oh yeah there's a snow speeder with a harpoon and everything Oh, it's wow. a good vehicle, and the figures fit into it. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was your favorite pe- favorite part about being in Star Wars movies? Um, what was my favorite part? Just the fact that you could just be part of the universe. Yeah. I like being part of the universe and, and what that means. It means a lot. Um, and obviously I worked on uh, Last Jedi and Solo as well. So mm-hmm. um, and I, I remember Solo. Uh, on Solo, I was in the uh, Dryden Voss yacht scene. Yep. Where that's when uh, Han Solo is just about to enter the, the – and he goes past the bar and by the bar. But, you know, we had such swanky gear on, you know. we had, You know, I had, a, I had this beautiful velvet cape. I mean, that Lando Carizian would have just – died for basically <laughs> i had a better cape than he had um so <laughs> i i we I mean, had some amazing boots just all that kind of thing you know i mean the costumes were just so beautifully well made um that's what i really like when i go 
when working on a big budget film, that's kind of the thing I, I, I really appreciate is the work that goes into that, uh, the work that goes into hair and makeup, um, all those things that make, you know, your movie experience what it is, you know? Yep. Like it's just high end and nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what's your favorite part about being a guest star at conventions? Um, just talking to the fans. I, 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 I love hearing their passion um, about whatever they love. And I love talking about, you know, uh, the things I love and, you know, my experiences and, and if it brings them joy, uh, particularly with uh, younger family members. Um, uh, uh, the, you know, I find that I, I have a rapport with families um, because, you know, like if, a, you know, a, a, um, a couple of parents and say two or three kids come to my table, they might not all be Star Wars fans. They might be one's a Star Wars fan, one's a Harry Potter fan, one's a um, Marvel fan, and they see all my pictures and it's like the joy in their faces. And it's like, oh, what? You mean you're actually in it? You know? And it's just like, <laughs> it's like nothing. It's like, yeah, that's me. That's me standing next to Groot. <laughs> it's like, really? You know? Well, that's me in a wizard costume in in Crimes of Grindelwald or. You know, or, or that's me next to, to Daniel Craig. That's me. Or that's me next to Finn. You know, those kind of things. And it's just like awesome to just see the the surprise and the joy in their faces. And then they're kind of like, you know, oh, you know, is group real? Or you know, and they, you know, being able to, you know, give a little bit of their um, experience and information, you know, information inside and knowledge. That's awesome. So yeah. I kind of like, you know. I don't ever go into a convention professing to be anybody. Um, and I don't do that as a direct thing. I, I, you know, I like to think any, you know, anybody is, everybody is special. And I think it's really important to be grounded when you go to a convention. Um, so, you know, I, I like to kind of, um, you know, I like to think I'm like a live, I'm a live experience uh, for yeah. For what they love, whatever franchise they love, uh, and I give I give them the live experience, that connection. You know, it's like an extra connection to the movie that they, they you know, that they, you know, that they adore. You know, wherever that is, and I can give them something, you know, to to add to that. Well, I got one for you, man. What was it like to have your own wand? I mean, I know this is Star Wars podcast, but I'm definitely a Harry oh Potter God. nerd too. Well, this is the thing you see the whole thing with the wand is a little bit like having a lightsaber it is the it is the kind to me it's the one thing that um if i was on set yeah they would i'd want the wand i would want the lightsaber yeah that would be like you know yeah so to be given a wand on set was like oh it was just one of those one you know that that, you tried uh, to do stuff didn't you you tried to at least lift something yeah no well look Hey, in the scene I, I was in, the, which was the gathering of witches at uh, wizards at the end of uh, Crams of Grindelwald, mm-hmm. uh, I think at one point they had 500 uh, essays on set uh, dressed as various wizards. And they all had to have a wand because uh, we were actually doing a scene where we used the wands. Um, but this scene was cut out, so you don't see this scene. But we had the wands and... Every time uh, it came to uh, to rap time, uh, it would always be one or two ones missing. <laughs> and so you know, and and production basically was saying, right, nobody's going anywhere. 
Norwegian Going Home on two reaccounted for every single one. And these ones are like really cheap. They're not like really expensive ones. They look really cheap. Right. And um, and and then miraculously somebody's gone, Oh, we just found the one on the floor. You know <laughs> Here it is know, in the corner. <laughs> there it is. It just dropped on the floor. Somebody dropped the one on the floor. And so yeah, so yeah. Every every day somebody tried to lift the one, but yeah, we had to return them all. <laughs> Well, that's wonderful, brother. Well, I won't keep you much longer. Just a couple more things. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in Nashville in September, so everybody come out to I'm so excited, man. Yeah? You're excited? Awesome. Yeah. I'm very excited to have you. Very excited. And uh, everybody yeah. come on out. It's www.icnashville.com. But before I let you go, here at IC Star Wars, we are all collectors. So we always ask a special guest for a pearl of wisdom. Since IC Star Wars is focused on vintage Star Wars items, many of our guests come on and they will be the most knowledgeable collectors around. I ask every guest to give one collecting tip. And the reason why is because everybody knows something about collecting, but nobody knows everything. And even even though you're not a vintage Star Wars collector yet, which we will fix, you are a collector. <laughs> so what can yeah. you tell collectors out there? What is the best way to, I don't know, give us your IC Star Wars or IC Marvel Pearl of Wisdom? Okay, well, um, uh, as Amigo collector, which is vintage, it's 1970s, um, my tip for collectors, and this is the way I did things, was uh, I always went for the the rarest the rarest things first. I start with the rarest things. Mm -hmm. um, I get them, and then I get all the commons, the common figures uh, afterwards. And this is the same with like if you, you feel you have to let go of some stuff, uh, let go of the common stuff and keep keep all the rares. And so if you ever want to build your setup again, you've got them. Yep, because it's hard. Yeah, some rares are hard. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I was reading about the uh, Boba Fett rocket fire rocket firing um, prototype. Yeah, um, the one on card. I mean, I, I don't know if it actually ever got released. I mean, I, I'm sure there was some debate debate whether it was actually released with rocket firing mechanism. Uh, it, so, it, I could tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's the kind of stuff I love. You know, I'm, it, I'm so down for the rest. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Uh, here's here's great news, actually. And you know what? I'll throw out another spoiler. Why not? Because it was a really fun interview. But um, yeah, there was uh, one produced um, on a Toy Fair card. It was just for a Toy Fair. It was a sample. Um, I do know the guy that owns it. I don't know if he wants to be named, so I'll let it go. But you can find it. Um, yeah. It was never fully sealed. There's also about a hundred that were produced and supposedly um, some guy just knocked them into his drawer at Kenner and then held on to them. And then they all ended up back in the market eventually, but there's about a hundred of them out there. They were produced. They were never released. They were stopped before the release. Some oh, okay. people said it was because of the Battlestar Galactica rocket making a kid choke, but a lot of people just think that it, they switched from the L to the J for that fear. Yeah. And the, the J started breaking off all the time. Um, so I don't know the, the reason why is up in the air, but it did get pulled and, uh, there were some that were produced, but if you mm. look at Boba Fett's, here's a good variation thing for a collector like you. But mm. if you look at Boba Fett's that were created after this time, there are some of them that have the divot in the backpack where you can see they scraped out the mold in order to create it solid instead of the rocket firing. Ah. Yeah. Ah. So it was a real thing. They had molds and everything. 
Cool. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for being on, Clem. Thank you so much for coming out to Nashville in September. I'm very excited. Is there anything at all you want to plug, brother? Um, I'm going to a convention next next weekend. I'm at Lemicon in Houghton, Holland. Okay. And then on the 30th March, I'm in uh, Germany at uh, Starbase, which um, is in Osnabrück, Germany. And I think I believe there's going to be quite a few Star Wars guests there. So yeah, if you if you're around that part of the world, yeah, pop in and, and say hello to me. Awesome, and brother. Thank you so much for for having me on your show. Absolutely. What's uh, your Instagram or your Twitter? Because I follow you, man, and you have really great oh, content. Yeah, uh, my my Instagram is Clem So, and uh, my Twitter is Clem uh, Lower Dash So. Um, yeah, follow me on both those. That'd be great. Perfect. All right, brother. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time today, and have a great evening in uh, beautiful London. And I will see you in September, and I'll be in touch soon. Uh, thank you, Michael. Thanks very much. Bye, right. everybody. Bye. Force is strong in this one. Well, that was a phenomenal interview, and I am very excited to meet Clem in September. Well, we have reached the end of this episode of IC Star Wars, so I will tell you, come check out the Imperial Commissary groups at www.imperialcommissary.com. Check us out on Instagram at The Imperial Commissary. Um, the convention Instagram is ICCC Nashville. The con Twitter page is at ICCC Nashville. The convention website is icnashville.com. And the convention Facebook page is www.facebook.com forward slash ICCC 2019. And the convention Facebook page is www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IC Collectors Con. So I will see you in September. If not, I will see you before that at Celebration. If not, sell me a Boba Fett. I'll see you whenever you want. Ooh, I almost forgot. I made a promise, didn't I? And that promise was to read one of these. This is the brand new ICCC. 2019 flyer now i have a few guest stars on this flyer i have actually quite a few guest stars on this flyer all these folks are already contracted and they will be there i have also signed on since i printed these flyers so this is the ic star wars exclusive this is the first place to hear all the guest stars okay so let me let me go into my actual secret super duper drive here with all the wonderful IC information and ICCC information and let me click on the celebrity panelists and special guest stars section so that way I can give you all the guest stars instead of just the ones on the flyer but I will read the flyer as promised so here we go appearing at ICCC 2019 at ICCCon Nashville it will be Andy Hurd. He portrayed an Ewok, a Jawa. He was also in Harry Potter as a Gringotts Goblin. Simon Williamson. You know him better as the coolest piano elephant in the history of the galaxy, Max Rebo. Clem So, who you just heard from, who has been in about a million movies, 
but Harry Potter and Solo and 007 are the ones that excite me the most. Next up is Paul Markham. He was a Return of the Jedi Imperial Officer. Tina Simmons, a Return of the Jedi Imperial Officer. She was also in The Dark Knight. Mark Anthony Austin is an awesome guy. He portrayed Boba Fett in the original trilogy special editions. And the cool thing is, I talked to him once when I was talking to him when I was contracting him. This is a little side story for you. Um, But I was talking to him and I said, oh man, how cool is it to be Boba Fett? He said, it was awesome. I'm this huge Boba Fett collector. I love Boba Fett, but I worked for Lucasfilm and they ended up walking by my office one day and saying, hey, listen, we need somebody to be in the Boba Fett outfit. Will you do it? And he was psyched. So that's really, really cool. Mark Anthony Austin, Peter Roy, who was a stormtrooper and also a rebel engineer in Empire Strikes Back and Jedi. Chris Bunn, who was uh, the first stormtrooper through the Tantive Door and also the Cantina Astronaut. Sandeep Mohan was a First uh, Order Stormtrooper from the new movies there. Bernard Kalakwo, he's awesome. Bernie, uh, he's he's a really good friend of mine. He's become a really good friend of mine. He's also a First Order Stormtrooper and in Rogue One and like a billion other movies. Really good guy. Uh, Gerald Holmes, Squid Face, and he was also a Mon Calamarian officer on the Home One. He is a really cool dude. Um, he's also been in a lot of other things. Muscle Milk in Australia, stuff like that. Um, Nick Joseph. Nick Joseph was the medal bearer in A New Hope. He's an IC member and a really awesome guy, and he got to hold the medal at the closing ceremonies of A New Hope, which was a... We also have Steven Costantino. He was a grammarian guard in Return of the Jedi, and he's a really good friend of mine. Awesome guy. We also have Pam Rose. She was Lisa Serlin in the Cantina in A New Hope. We have Lauren Roman from Buffy, the TV show. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Sean Crawford, who portrayed Yakface. I know everybody's waiting on their skiffs right now. I'm waiting on my skiff. I just got the notification that says it's not coming until Monday. Um, so I guess I'll see everybody else's first. But anyway, he played Yakface. And, uh, so come get your skiff signed. Come get your Yakface signed. Uh, Sean Crawford is coming. David Stone was a B-Wing pilot in Return of the Jedi. Eileen Roberts was Mosep Binod in Return of the Jedi. Ilya Volok. He was in Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible. You know him pretty much as the Russian bad guy from every movie ever. Air Force One, he's awesome. Daniel Logan, you know him as Boba Fett from the prequels. Daniel Logan will be there. Bill Wesley. Bill Wesley was the uh, second assistant director on Empire Strikes Back. He shot those really awesome hoth scenes that we all know and love. Don Teams from The Walking Dead. Victor Botha was a death trooper in Rogue One. Tracy Lynn Cruz was the yellow Power Ranger in Space Turbo Rangers. Alan Flying was an Imperial officer and a stormtrooper. He was directly under Lord Vader. And Ron Rudat, the creator of G.I. Joe line and the Cobra Commander symbol. Steve Sansweet from Rancho Obi-Wan. Kim Simmons, Kenner, Star Wars photographer, and a whole bunch more. And I keep getting more and more every day. I'm going to go hop over to the celebrity panelists and special guest list because there are a couple I've added since I printed the flyer. We are going to have a panel by Gus Lopez. He is a super collector. You know him. He's the guy with the Death Star in his foyer at his house. (laughs) We're also going to have Ron Salvatore, who is a super collector and a 
big man behind the SWCA that'll be helping us out with lots of information and panel presenting. Duncan Jenkins is coming back for another panel. Mike Menzinger is coming back for another panel. We're going to have Brian Rashful with a Rocket Fet panel with Daryl Johnson and Chris Gergulius. We're going to have Steve Sansweet. I already said that. Duncan Jenkins, Mike Messinger, Ron Salvatore. We're going to have Pablo Segoiva come up from Argentina to do a Top Toys panel. Teach us about the Argentinian Top Toys Star Wars line. We're going to also have Blake Foster, the Blue Power Ranger. Um, Michelle Harrison, I just got today. She is uh, Flash's mom in the hit CW show, The Flash. We also have uh, my favorite, one of my favorites, one of the coolest ever. Um, just contracted him just a few days ago. Uh, the the impressive, incomparable, amazing Timothy Zahn. So Timothy Zahn will be at ICCC as well. This will not be the entire guest list, hopefully, because it's still very early. And remember, at this time last year, I only had one guy, and he was from Star Trek. Can't recall his name now, though. <laughs> Thank you again for tuning into episode 13 of IC Star Wars. And this is what happens when you support good things. You get the skinny before everybody else. So you have a great day. You have a great night. You have a great weekend. And, and thank you for listening to IC Star Wars, a podcast for collectors by collectors.